Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. <laughs> Was hard, but not anymore, thanks to Wondersuite from Bluehost. Answer a few questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically create your website or store. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content, and we automatically help you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. Dog Works Radio is sponsored by Alaska Dog Works. Check out their website at alaskadogworks.com. Start your day tomorrow with the Daily Dog with Michelle Forto, the morning podcast on Dog Works Radio. Apple Podcast reviewer Patty Christensen calls it funny, smart, and filled with all the info I want to know about dogs. I love this show. Wake up with the Daily Dog, available on DogWorks Radio on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. Mushing Radio presents the 1925 Serum Run. Subscribe to DogWorks Radio on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Previously on the 1925 Serum Run. In January 1925, Dr. Curtis Welch of Nome notices an uptick of patients with severe coughs. After several deaths, he determines that the cause is diphtheria. An epidemic of diphtheria is almost inevitable here. Stop. I am in urgent need of one million units of diphtheria antitoxin. Stop. The Board of Health unanimously votes for a dog sled relay to bring 300,000 units of antitoxin from Anchorage to Nome. The original plan is to have Leonard Seppala, a legendary musher and multiple winner of the All-Alaska Sweepstakes Sled Dog Race, travel halfway, pick up the antitoxin, and return to Nome. In Anchorage, a carefully wrapped 20-pound package of antitoxin is put on a northbound train where it meets the first dog sled team outside Fairbanks. It's 50 degrees below zero when the train reaches the first dog team of Wild Bill Shannon. It may have made more sense to wait until morning, but Shannon says, if people are dying, let's get started. As the epidemic worsens, Alaska Territorial Governor Bone authorizes funds to increase the number of dog teams and dog drivers to get the antitoxin to Nome more quickly. Seppala, who is already on the trail, believes he's going all the way to Nalato with a team of 20 dogs. When the number of teams is increased, Mushers are told to keep a careful eye out for Seppala and stop him in Shaktulik. But Seppala is out of range of telephone and telegraph, so he has no idea that the plans have changed. As drivers take the antitoxin up the trail, they face temperatures going down to 64 degrees below zero, storms, and wind gusts of more than 100 miles per hour. The antitoxin moves down the mighty Yukon River and then across the Caltag portage before it arrives on the Bering Coast at Unalakleet. This week, howling winds and the handoff. People often talk about the modern Iditarod Trail sled dog race as being divided into thirds. Each third of the race has its own unique features and challenges on top of the general overall challenge of moving a team of dogs 1,000 miles through the Alaskan wilderness. The early part of the race, going over the Alaska Range and into the interior, 
and the middle part of the race, going along the Yukon River and out to the coast, present a series of technical difficulties that can sideline inexperienced mushers. By the time a dog team gets to the coast, they can sense that the end is near, even if it's still a long way off. Although the route from Unalakleet up to Nome doesn't feature the same elevation challenges, it brings with it a whole new set of problems. Wind and storms are a much bigger issue here than on earlier parts of the route. And so it was with the 1925 Serum Run. Norton Sound is 150 miles long and 125 miles wide at its widest point. It's known for constantly shifting ice whose sheets can break apart with little or no notice and float out to the Bering Sea. A collection of ice berms, open water, bumpy ice, smooth ice, pressure ridges, and the occasional huge floating chunk of ice, sometimes as big as a house, are all features of the frozen Norton Sound. It's not unusual for wind to be at hurricane speeds and cause wind chills of well over 100 degrees below zero. Add in snow and darkness, and it can become difficult to keep track of which way is north. Even mushers who can keep their sleds from being blown over report feeling disoriented when they're out on the ice. And sometimes they hear otherworldly sounds from the ice, wind, and the stark whiteness of the landscape. Reflections off the snow and the sky and other odd lighting phenomenon are common in the area. On Saturday, January 31st, 1925, Miles Gonningham gets the serum in Unalakleet from Victor Anagic at around 5 a.m. He brings the serum inside to warm it and goes out to look at the ice of Norton Sound. Gonningham is no stranger to the area, and he knows he has a choice of routes to get to Shaktulik, where he's been told Sepala will be waiting. He can cut across the ice and save some distance, or stick to the shore where the ground cover is more certain. The wind has been blowing onshore for days, the onshore wind causes ice to stack up near the shore, which raises the level of Norton Sound, but weakens the strength of the ice. But last night the wind shifted, and now the ice is flowing back, slowly, towards the open sea. Additionally, there is an area of open water in that section of Norton Sound. This area, known as a polynaya, is kept free of ice for most of the winter, by the shifting winds that move in a circular pattern. Ice forms around the edges, but is then driven to the outside, which keeps the clear, open water in the center. This movement is accompanied by a constant grinding noise that's been likened to the sound of giant bulldozers dragging their metal parts across concrete. Gunningnan is no stranger to the ways of ice and has an inherent intuitive sense of the ice in Norton Sound. He looks out onto the ice field and watches it rise and fall. It's in constant movement. He knows from the wind that a storm is coming in and the ice will be breaking up. He turns away from the ice and goes inside to retrieve the antitoxin, having decided not to risk a journey over the ice. Instead, he'll stick to the longer but safer land route near the coast. It's 40 miles to Shaktulik. The first 12 miles go up and down a series of hills, and there is some tree cover to provide protection from the wind. The worsening conditions make the trail less hospitable than it was a few days earlier, and far less than the highway-like conditions of the modern Iditarod, 
where trail breakers on snow machines are constantly improving the trail for the mushers and dogs. In 1925, it was not at all unusual for mushers to have to break trail themselves, especially when the weather worsened. So, as blowing snow makes the trail worse, Ganningnan stops his team and puts on snowshoes. He walks in front of his team, crunching down the snow and laying in a trail. This requires walking back and forth several times to compact the snow. He then hops on the runners and lets the dogs run until the snow again becomes too deep for him, at which point he parks the sled and walks ahead, repeating the process. This slows down his progress considerably. Additionally, the wind has picked up again, making the wind chill dip down to 70 degrees below zero. But Ganningnan, like the other dog drivers along the route, knows how important it is to keep the antitoxin moving towards Nome. So he, like many others on the trail, reaches deep down into his reserves of inner toughness and keeps going. After five hours, his team has only gone about 12 miles. He builds a fire in an abandoned hut and warms the antitoxin. He has eight dogs with heavy coats. They're not fast, but they're tough and they're powerful. After warming himself and the antitoxin, Ganningnam climbs up Blueberry Hills, which rise to a summit over 1,000 feet above sea level before they dip down in a steep descent that leads into Shaktulik. This route contains several wind tunnel areas where the wind gusts can easily knock mushers and dogs off their feet. At the summit, the wind and snow are blowing so hard that it sometimes appears to Ganningnam that the dogs are swimming through whitewater. As the dogs start their descent, the entire team is hit by whiteout. Visibility drops to nearly zero. Gravity and increased speed make Gunningham feel disoriented. Most mushers ride the brake on this section of trail trying to slow down, and Gunningham is grateful that at least he's protected momentarily from the harsh winds. Mushers will often tell you that when the chips are down, it's the dogs who get you through. You train with your dogs in a variety of conditions and you choose your leaders and wheel dogs wisely, knowing that there will be times when the musher means nothing and contributes little and it's all up to the dogs. Coming down from the summit of Blueberry Hills, Ganningnam knows he can't control much since he can't see a thing. But he knows his dogs and he puts his trust in them. The dogs don't disappoint. They run true and the whiteout eventually clears. Gunningham can see Shaktulik in the distance, but he has to travel a few more miles with nothing to protect him from the wind. Hurricane force gusts turn the trail into a sheet of ice, but Gunningham and his eight dogs keep moving. Snow, ice, and sand carried by the wind pelt Gunningham and his dogs. He finally makes it to Shaktulik around 3 p.m., having taken 10 hours to go 40 miles. At Shaktulik, Sepala is nowhere to be found. No one knows exactly where he is, and there's some speculation that he might have gone across the ice and be waiting down in Unilaclet. Luckily, Mark Summers, who recruited many of the additional mushers for the relay, is prepared for this contingency. He's arranged for Russian Eskimo musher Henry Ivanov to wait at Shaktulik with a fresh team of dogs. Ivanov brings the antitoxin inside and warms it for a bit. Back in Nome, Dr. Welch is worried that the epidemic may have spread outside of the city. A wire service reporter in Nome files a story picked up around the country that's headlined, All Hope Rests on the Dogs. Welch learns that the antitoxin left Unilaclete 
and he hopes that this means it will be in Nome the next day. While Ganningnam decided against crossing the Norton Sound going north, Seppala had made the opposite decision heading south. He too knew that there was a storm coming in, but decided he could make better time crossing the ice with a tailwind heading towards Shaktulik. Seppala later reports that he'd passed through several villages with government-run schools. He told the principals of the schools about the epidemic and urged the community to close the schools until the epidemic had passed and to be wary of anyone passing through who'd been in or near Nome. Seppala's mighty 20-dog team, led by Togo, manage 130 miles in their first three days. The first day, they only go 33 miles, but the team begins to work more efficiently and soon is firing on all cylinders. He makes it to Isaacs Point Lighthouse, across the bay from Shack Tulik. With Togo leading the way and the wind at his back, Seppolo mushes toward Shack Tulik in the dark. Meanwhile, Ivanov is heading north across the ice towards Isaacs Point. Mushers in the area know that there are herds of wild reindeer near Shaktulik, and those reindeer sometimes get into scrapes with dog teams. Other times, the dogs will turn skittish around reindeer, not wanting to have any contact with them. As the windchill drops past 85 degrees below zero, Ivanov's team spots a single reindeer who's separated from the herd. Ivanov's dogs get agitated and start fighting with each other, soon becoming tangled in their harnesses and gang lines. Ivanov plants his hook, and goes forward to untangle his team and sort out the conflict. It's just then that Ivanov sees Seppala and his large team going past. Seppala waves and yells a greeting to Ivanov. Ivanov realizes it's Seppala and frantically calls out to him, I have the serum, I have the serum, turn around, turn back. Seppala is convinced he must not have heard that correctly. The serum couldn't possibly be so far along the trail. He turns back and sees Ivanov frantically waving his arms and running. Seppala tries to stop and turn his dog team around, yelling at Togo to G, but teams of 20 dogs traveling 8 to 10 miles per hour cannot stop quickly. It takes about a mile for Seppala's team to stop and turn around. His dogs aren't thrilled at the idea of going back into a headwind, but Seppala knows he can count on Togo, and his lead dog moves forward, back towards Isaac's point and Ivanov's dog team. When the two men meet, Ivanov explains what happened after Seppala left Nome, how the epidemic had gotten worse and the number of dog teams was increased so the serum could reach Nome sooner. Seppala takes the antitoxin and heads back across the ice into a headwind, back to Isaac's point. Even though it's not entirely clear to Alaskans that Seppala will even be caught and be part of the serum run, they have been giving breathless quotes to journalists about Cephala's legendary abilities as a musher and dogman. More than a few articles ignore other mushers altogether, focusing on Cephala as the only man who can save Nome. But out on the trail, it's hard going and slow. Cephala has his doubts about the ice, and at one point, Togo stops abruptly. Cephala spots open water dead ahead and realizes he and his team are on an ice flow. The team searches for a way off, but they're going out to sea. Cephala with the precious antitoxin in his sled, searches for a way onto more solid ice. But he can't find one. And they float and float. With the wind against them and the ice flow slowly being blown out to sea, Seppala curls up with his dogs to keep warm. And he hopes 
a change will come in the wind direction that will save them and save no. Next week, Togo saves the day. Did you know that Alaska Dog Works trains service dogs for those in need throughout North America? Each and every service dog that is trained through the Lead Dog Service Dog Program and Michelle Forda winner team has an individual training plan. We train for autistic, mobility, psychiatric, and PTSD for our soldiers for service work. If you know of someone that may need a service dog, please take a moment and check out Alaska Dog Works on social media and at alaskadogworks.com. Hi guys, it's Alex. If you are a fan of sled dog sports in the Iditarod, Mushing Radio is the show for you. Each Wednesday, we drop a new episode on Dog Works Radio. So be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. If you like our podcast, there are a few things you can do. You can take a couple of minutes and go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. You can also check out all of our DogWorks Radio sponsors and promotions in our show notes. Another thing you can do is go over to Facebook, like our Facebook page, and one last thing, please tell all of your friends by spreading the word about DogWorks Radio. Thank you so much for listening to us. We really appreciate you. DogWorks Radio is produced by Robert Forto. Logo art by Angry Squirrel Studios. DogWorks Radio is produced in conjunction with KVRF 89.7 in Palmer, Alaska. For dog training advice, you can contact Alaska DogWorks at 907-841-1686 or visit their website at alaskadogworks.com. If you have a show idea or would like to be a guest, please contact us by sending an email to live at dogworksradio.com.